The words of our blessed Lord seem unusually harsh to our modern ears today in this gospel, even perhaps racist. He insults the woman, make no mistake about it, with the truth that she is not part of the chosen people, that is, not part of the chosen people yet. He calls her a dog, an animal that for all of the Jews would have been recognized as unclean. Is the Lord, or is his manner of speaking to her, a product of the xenophobia of his historical time, or of the human tendency towards racism that we like to think is gone in our culture, but unfortunately is all too often still present? Is he unconsciously, perhaps, expressing the sentiment of his people? No. We must recognize of whom we speak here. Jesus of Nazareth is no mere man. He is the second person of the Holy Trinity. God from God, light from light, very God from very God, as we say in the creed. The very one, in fact, in whom the woman that he speaks to was made. The very one in whose image she was made in. If the Lord, brothers and sisters, if the Word Himself speaks harshly, we must strive to understand His meaning, for there is a hidden purpose in His silence and in those words which seem so harsh to us. Because always, always, the Word is working for our salvation. Have you, brothers and sisters, ever been in the unfortunate position of misinterpreting a friend's silence or his or her words? I've found myself in that position many times over the years. With even more painful irony, sometimes we often find ourselves understanding and seeing the wisdom of our parents and the wisdom of authority figures and teachers only after many years of reflection. What is happening here in the gospel is something similar. Our experience of hearing it might lead us to a misinterpretation. The Lord's words and His silence even are easily misinterpreted in both their intention and their object. To understand them well then, brothers and sisters, we have to remember who He is. And consider the whole gospel. So what is the Lord doing today? If we give God the benefit of the doubt, which ironically in this situation reflects a deep faith, a deep faith in Him, what do we see? First, brothers and sisters, look at the context of these words. Jesus goes to Tyre and Sidon. After having preached many parables to the king, about the kingdom of heaven to his countrymen in Galilee, he comes from Genesaret and goes to Galilean cities. If we think his words to the Canaanite woman are harsh, 
We should read what he has to say to the Jews that he's just left. He calls them hypocrites, broods of vipers, who honor him with his lips, but in their hearts are far away from him. Jesus' movement from Jewish cities to Gentile ones shows that his preaching, which is sufficient for our salvation if believed, is intended for the salvation of all people. What else? He comes to a Gentile city. Imagine that a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish itinerant preacher, right? Itinerant preacher traveling to a Gentile city. What is he doing? He has to expect, brothers and sisters. He has to even desire an interaction with the Gentiles. Why then does he stay silent when the woman cries out to him? I mean, for that matter, the woman's intention and her object are very clear, right? She desires mercy. She desires mercy upon herself because she's taken the burden of her tormented daughter upon herself. How many parents, how many priests, how many brothers and sisters have done the same for their children, their spiritual children, for their brothers or sisters? This woman, through the mysterious working of God, already loves in the manner of a Christian. She loves in imitation of Christ who took compassion upon us. But even this impassioned plea appears, appears to yield no results. It's met with silence. Perhaps though, brothers and sisters, in that quiet, we find an overwhelming response of the Lord. A quiet reply, which serves its purposes in the providence of God. For one thing, through being silent, the Lord teaches the woman and us to persist in prayer. Prayer doesn't change the mind of God, brothers and sisters, but it brings us into relationship with Him. It draws us more deeply into conformity with His will. This shows that particularly in the New Covenant, persisting in prayer, that is, in relationship with the Lord, being in relationship with Him, is much more essential than fulfilling the law. Through this persistence, the Canaanite woman grows in devotion. This also teaches us. Often the Lord waits, brothers and sisters, waits to give us what we desire because we do not yet desire rightly or with the ardor necessary to make proper use of the gift. He expands our hearts for Him in this way so that we can properly receive the gift He wants to give us. An analogy to this is our practice of fasting as Catholics. We fast before the great feast days of the Lord because it gives us a tangible sign. We feel that hunger, that desire, which is supposed to help us grow in the desire for the Lord. Third, he teaches us the importance of intercession through his silence. The Lord wishes that you and I would cooperate with Him in seeking the salvation of others and allow others to do the same for us. The disciples, albeit very imperfectly, do take the woman's petition to the Lord. 
Although they do it only because they're annoyed by her, it still teaches us something. And we can see this because the Lord speaks only after their intercession. He then says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, remember, he's in Gentile territory. So how should we interpret those words? Harsh though they may seem. Those words express his desire that the house of Israel gathered back into, together in him, in him who is the kingdom of God, would be the beacon of salvation for all the world by pointing others to him. He was sent for all, but to the Israelites first, that through them all might be chosen in him. The woman's response to this statement is quite moving. Our translation here today fails to do it justice. Paying homage just doesn't seem to have the force to convey what she was doing. She adored. She recognized him as God, worshiped him as God. And her profound faith in the Lord as one who trusts that her prayer will be heard is on display here. Would that we might also experience this increasing devotion. Now, the next words of the Lord are probably the harshest, but they too serve an outstanding purpose. She is invited by our Lord to humility by them. The Lord asks her by his words to persist even more humbly. And her response is beautiful. In her words, she expresses, hear them again. Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. She expresses, brothers and sisters, what is in reality true for all of us. Because we have no absolute claim on the mercy of God. In fact, just the opposite. By nature, we merit nothing. And because of original sin and our own personal sins, we deserve even less. But hear her words, how remarkable her trust is in the Lord. She knows that God is good enough to feed us, to redeem us, to heal us. For our benefit and for her benefit, the Lord draws faith out of the Canaanite woman. And she becomes a remarkable example of what trusting prayer in faith looks like. Faith which is prompted by God coming to meet us first. Faith which does not deny our own needs while at the same time being moved with compassion for others. Faith that is persistent in asking for what we need and what others need. Faith that seeks the intercession of others, both the saints and those around us. Faith that is, above all else, humble, which recognizes with gratitude the gift that God wishes to give us. For when we desire, brothers and sisters, in prayer, nothing other than the will of God, then it will be done in our lives.